Thanks for tuning in to the Harvest Springs weekly podcast. Every week we'll provide you with the weekend message from our Sunday service. In this episode, the kingdom value of peace. It's not hard for us to see right now that our world is full of anything but peace. Rather, we are witnessing division, anger, and hatred on a large scale. But Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, that members of the kingdom of God will work for peace and that they will be God's representatives as his children. In this message, Corey will talk us through the process of peace, the things that will stand in our way, and what we need to do to see peace come to fruition in our lives, our communities, and our church. So open your Bible, and let's jump in. Here's Corey. All right. Well, good morning. It's uh, it's good to see all of you guys out there this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open up to Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. If you don't have your Bibles, I just want to make this little little statement. I would love if if we just all as a church got a little better at bringing our Bibles to church, um, you know, or, or whatever you use for Bibles. It's it's you know a lot of sometimes I mean I do a lot of my Bible reading on my computer. Um, you know, if you if you so I got my Bible right here. See, uh, but one of those things, you know, if, if we're if we want to be students of the Bible. If we want to, to really grow in our understanding and appreciation of God's word, well, then we just got to kind of have it with us. And it'd be kind of like if we, if we kept showing up to our, our class at school, but we didn't bring our textbook, you know, and, and you know, hey, we're, we're still learning stuff, but maybe we're not quite as connected and committed to learning all we can as we could if we just grabbed that book, got it in front of us. And there's a lot of value to having the word in front of you sometimes as we're looking up verses and one thing I started doing with my kids, I was throwing out verses and they were trying to find them in their Bible. And the more they were in their Bible, the more they just become familiar with where things are at and, and kind of the context of it. And, and so I would just encourage you, you know, bring your Bible to church. It's, it's not a bad thing. And uh, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you know, go to our website or, uh, well, you can get it on our website, but you can also get it on our app. Uh, there's a little Bible app there that is really helpful and useful for you. We are in uh, a middle of a message series uh, on the kind of the first part of Matthew chapter five. So Matthew's five, Matthew five, six, and seven; those chapters are a a big kind of teaching chunk, often called the Sermon on the Mount. And the first part of that Sermon on the Mount is this little thing called the Beatitudes, and it's these these little statements. They're all kind of value statements about the blessing that come when you live out the kingdom values. So we've been walking through these kind of one by one, and we are at uh, the next to last one. And uh, in verse 9, here's what it says. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So that's what we're talking about today. Now... Yesterday, I, uh, my wife told me, hey, the vacuum's not working again. So I put it up on the table and I'm tearing it all apart. And I'm, you know, kind of, you know, trying to repair my vacuum cleaner. How many of you guys have ever had to do this? Right. And uh, so you're trying to figure out the little belt came off and I'm kind of putting it back together and trying to figure out why this thing keeps happening. And as I'm I've got all these parts and I'm working, I'm kind of putting it back together. All of a sudden I hear kind of this chaos screaming coming from the room next to me. 
And it did not sound like it was, you know, two sisters getting along. It, it sounded like the opposite. And so I quickly went over to the door and I threw the door open and I was like, what's going on in here? And, and, uh, and as I was there, you know, both girls turned around and looked right at me, their eyes are, you know, all big and, and I kind of scared them. But there was a pillowcase flying across the room at the other one, at the other sister. Well, then, you know, I kind of scared them and then both of them kind of got their wits about them and then grabbed the pillowcase and threw it back at the other one. And they were arguing and fighting about which side of the room the pillowcase should be. The one was like, don't be putting your pillowcase on my side of the room. They share room, by the way, if you can figure that out. And the other one was like, you should put your pillowcase on your side of the room. And they get chucking it back and forth, back and forth. And this angry, uh, and so, so here I am. All of a sudden I'm like, what a blessing this is. Because I'm going to talk about this tomorrow. And uh, blessed are the peacemakers. You guys need to be peacemakers. Do you know how well that went over with my girls yesterday? They didn't want to hear it. Not an ounce. They were in the middle of this conflict. They didn't want to make peace. They wanted to be right. And they were fighting over which side of the room the pillowcase was ultimately going to lay on the floor. If you pay attention to our world right now, there is a lot of arguments and fights and conflicts over stuff that's not much more important than which side of the room the pillowcase lays on. There is conflict all around us. And in fact, I was just thinking about 2020 because somebody came up to me after the first service and they were like, man, that was like the perfect timing of, of a message. It's like, this is the season we're in. We need, and uh, if, if you were to see my notes on the very top of my notes was this phrase, uh, this is a very timely message. <laughs> There's conflict all over around us it seems to be everywhere. Everywhere we go, there's conflict and there's tension. Uh, if you take a look at the year 2020, it is, you know, it was just a mess of conflict, right? It started with the impeachment trial of, of Donald Trump, right? So you got Republicans and Democrats and this conflict and tension and they're, you know, all these people thinking he should be impeached and all these people say he should be impeached and he's innocent and, and the tension that exists there. And then we went right from that into the COVID season where there was, you know, shutdowns, lockdowns, mask mandates and all that kind of stuff. And there were so many people saying, oh, that's ridiculous. We shouldn't lock down. This is no big deal. And there were people like, we're all gonna die, right? And there was all these tension, this tension between all the conversations going on. And we went right from that into, you know, the George Floyd riots. And there was, you know, an act there. And some people are like, oh, that guy deserved it. He was resisting arrest. And then some people are like, oh, the guy was murdered and it was racial. And, and then all of that tension then that spiraled into the riots. And some people are like, those riots are justified. And, and uh, you know, that people are right to be able to, to riot. And then some people are like, that's, you know, throw those, call out the National Guard, you know, throw all those people in jail. And 
And then we got into this BLM, you know, Black Lives Matter, and then there was All Lives Matter, and then it was Blue Lives Matters, and, you know, which lives matter. We were all in kind of tension and turmoil, and then we just kept right on going into election season when we had the most secure, safe election ever versus this was a rigged election, the most corrupt election, and it was all stolen from us, and, and our, we're losing our country, or, or our country is saved, right? It just depends on the perspective you have, and there's this, this tension that exists and we all feel it we feel as if you know the entire year and even now in 2021 right we're just like oh here we go you know they got the capital stuff and then you just impeach the president again and and everyone is just in this sense of we are at war with one another I wrote down here, like America's greatest threat is not Russia or China or North Korea or Iran. America's greatest threat right now is ourselves. Somebody was asking me, do you think, man, this now would be a great time to attack the United States? And I'm like, we're attacking ourselves. If I was if I was Russia, I'd just be sitting back going, well, if we were going to attack them, we should just let them destroy themselves. And then once they're done with that, then we'll attack them because they're going to have destroyed themselves from inside. A nation divided against itself cannot stand. We need peacemakers in our world more than ever. But it's not just in the world that conflict exists. It's even in the church. Uh, our, our denominational superintendent, the guy who kind of oversees all of the churches across the United States, he was in Helena and he called me and he's like, hey, you want to take me duck hunting? And I said, oh, I'd love to. And he's like, I'm coming in on Monday. So we, we came and while we sat waiting for ducks, we we're sitting in the blind. And I just said, hey, so, you know, kind of what's kind of new in your world? And he said, you know what? I am putting out fires inside of churches. I said, really? What, what do you have? What is it all about? He said, in the last three weeks, I've had to go meet with three different boards and their pastors all over the issue of masks. And there's this tension and these fights happening inside of churches around this issue of masks. And he said, that, you know, churches are being ripped apart by this. And so, you know, this guy has to go and, you know, try to kind of navigate this issue and try to feel it out and, there's, so the tension out in the world is showing up inside of the church. I want us to take a look at this blessed are the peacemakers, right? So this verse, blessed are the peacemakers, that word peacemakers is a Greek word, ereno poios, okay? Say that five times fast. It means those who make peace. Those who make peace. In another, in another uh, dictionary, it, it, used, it described it this way as one who works for peace. This idea of you know, peacemaking is not something that is just like peace just comes. Like I just stay out of it. I'm just passive in it. And I just hope that peace comes. I try to avoid conflict as much as I possibly can. That's not at all what this word describes. This describes people who are working for peace. They are actively engaged in the process of bringing peace into their reality. They make it happen. Okay, notice the difference. 
It's one thing, right, if I, if I go to the, the, the ice cream shop, like I go to Coldstone Creamery, right, my favorite ice cream stop, shop, I can tell them what I want. I sit there, someone else makes it happen. I just wait for the ice cream. I just watch it, right? But what happens if I've got to make the ice cream, Right, I get out the ice cream maker and I get out the salt and the ice and you know I get my heavy whipping cream out and you know sugar and I put all the stuff together and right I've got to I'm actively doing it and if I don't do it guess what no ice cream gets made. This idea of uh, peacemaking is not something you passively see happen to you. This is something you personally have to engage in. And when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's saying, blessed are those who are making peace happen in their world. They're working for it. They're not just standing by hoping it happens. They're getting in the middle of the tension and the conflict that exists in their world. And they're saying, what can I do to make this a more peaceful place? That's something that Jesus' followers are described as. They are peacemakers, ones who work for peace. Now, let's just talk about this issue of masks for a moment, okay? I can feel the tension now rise in our service. This issue of masks is unbelievably tense, it's tense in our, in our outside of our world. It's tense inside of our world. The other day I was walking to the store, I forgot my mask and I was like halfway into the store and all of a sudden I felt like naked. <laughs> I didn't have my mask. I'm like, uh-oh, what do I do in this moment? Do I turn around? Do I run out? Do I just walk in like I own the place? You know, what, what, what should I do? It, it was just a, it's a crazy feeling in this moment, right? So, so inside of the issue of masks, there's kind of two kind of extreme views. One is that masks are the answer, right? They're the answer to us being able to open up as a society. They're the answer to us, you know, saving ourselves from the spread of, of COVID and saving lives. And masks are the answer. In fact, I heard uh, a guy from the CDC say that masks are going to be more effective than the vaccine. They're going to protect people more than the vaccine. Okay, so there's this idea of masks are the answer. On the other side, there is this idea that masks are completely useless, right? Completely useless. Now, please, let's not talk about where we stand on this issue, okay? But what I'd like us to do is think about where you would place yourself on this continuum. Because, and again, don't say it out loud. Just keep it to yourself, all right? But if we just think about where we are on this Continuum. I'm guessing some of us in the room are very much over here on the masks are the answer side. And there are some in the room that are very much on the other side of masks are useless. And guess what happens between those two extremes is a lot of tension. A lot of tension. Jesus calls his followers to live in the middle of that tension. And not just live there, but to intentionally press themselves into that tension in order to be those who make peace. 
They are peacemakers. Those who are on the side of masks are the answer. They, they believe that and think that for a, for a reason. They do. I've talked to many of these people. Right? They believe, like there, there are studies that they would point to that say masks are very helpful. They point to many of some of the public policies and some of the doctors and, and uh, medical professionals that suggest mas masks are helpful and important and, and effective in helping reduce the spread of, of COVID. There are uh, just simple, like logical things about masks. What do we do when a, person, when a person coughs? We tell our kids to do this. When they cough, what are they supposed to do? Cover their mouth. Well, why is that? Right, so that their, their particulates don't spray all over the place. And, you know, and you, when they sneeze, we tell them to sneeze into their, in the, you know, here or here, more, here more, right? Uh, this wasn't a thing when I was growing up, but, you know, but it was very clear when you sneeze, right, cover your mouth, uh, you know, don't spray all over the place, right? So, so we already kind of do this in certain realms. We say, well, don't, don't spray it all over. Don't do this, you know, this. Uh, yeah, do that because that's a helpful, healthy practice. You kind of minimize the spread of germs. So don't we already kind of go, well, okay, there's some reasons why we think masks are, are the answer. But on the same side, right, there are people that can point to all kinds of things on masks are useless, in fact, just so you know, the World Health Organization and the CDC held to the view just back in 2019 that masks were not effective in stopping the spread of any kind of viral spread, like the flu. In 2019, that was their position. In 2020, early on in 2020, Dr. Fauci said, it's, it's ridiculous that everybody needs to run out and get a mask. You don't need a mask. The Surgeon General said, don't go get a mask. Right? And then now they've switched over to the other side. There's lots of us that look at those things and go, you know, hey, it should be this way or it should be that way. And neither side really wants to listen to the other side. Everybody just want to kind of look at it and go, this is how it is. And this is, this is uh, I'm right over here and they're wrong or I'm right over here and they're wrong. And here's the thing, as a Christian, We've got to find a way to live inside the tension between those two things. I don't think for a moment today, and it's not my goal at all in any way, to convince you to believe either that masks are useless or that masks are the answer. Right? I am not trying to, nobody's going to change their mind about masks today. What I hope to do is to help you understand that this whole big debate about masks and the fighting inside of the church and what we're doing to one another around masks. And it's not just around masks, it's about all kinds of things. It could be about the music that's played or the carpet color or the chair color or how long the message is, or, you know, it could be a variety of things that people fight about inside of churches and out in our world that are not much more mature than two girls throwing pillowcases at each other saying it should be on that side or this side of the room. The reality is that this issue of masks is, it's debatable, but it's nothing to destroy our neighbor around. It's nothing to divide each other around because Jesus calls his disciples to be peace 
makers. There are four arenas that I believe Jesus calls his followers to be peacemakers in. The first arena is just simply that we are called to be peacemakers in his kingdom. In his kingdom. That would be inside of the church, amongst the family. I wish my kids had this view that they could be peacemakers inside of our home. But they don't. <laughs> a lot of times they're just they're walking around looking for something to fight about. And they, they kind of just, you know, hey, here, here's something to argue about. Let's go. And so then they, they kind of, you know, they just, instead of seeing themselves as people who could bring peace to the family, they kind of engage it as, hey, it's, I'm ready for a fight. A lot of Christians are roaming around looking for something to fight about in our world. And instead, we should be looking around for places where we can bring peace. Where we can bring peace. Because blessed are the peacemakers. Inside of the kingdom of God, division is never God's heart. God doesn't desire that there is a rift inside of churches around anything. God is calling his followers to be a family, to be united around Jesus Christ, to be a committed, vibrant family that honors one another, respects one another, loves one another. In fact, when Jesus talking to his disciples in John 13, 34 and 35, we talked about this last week, he gives them a command. Not many places does Jesus command his disciples to do something, but right here he says, I command you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. He commands them to love one another. And if we go, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the, the love chapter, as Paul's describing the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ, and he talks about the importance and the framework of the body of Christ operating in love with one another. And he says, what? Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not rude. It's not proud. It's not boastful. You know, it keeps no record of wrongs. And then he says, it's not self-seeking. It's not about me being right. You know, you being wrong. It's not being on my side versus you, your side. This is about, I love you. And I'll give you preference. I'll put you first so that we can be unified and together as a family. This does not mean we always agree. It doesn't mean that we get everyone to think the same as we do. I was reading an article, as you know, last week, uh, I think Twitter banned President Trump from being able to say anything on Twitter. And so they kind of shut up his voice and then they shut up a whole bunch of other people that were kind of trying to, you know, share his voice out there. So they shut all those voices out. And then they shut off, uh, you know, the, the Apple store and the Google store shut off a, uh, a social media platform that was kind of used by conservatives and they kind of shut off those voices. And somebody wrote on, uh, in, in Twitter that the effort here was to bring unity to people, to bring kind of a peace amongst the conversation. And the, 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 the guy that runs Twitter 
there was a little video of him talking to his people and he's like, we have to protect the conversation. We have to protect the conversation. So in order to protect the conversation, it was shut off all the other voices so that we can kind of keep peace amongst the conversation. We can get everybody to think the same way. So then we'll have peace. Guys, peace doesn't come from everyone agreeing on everything. That's not where peace comes. If we think that's where peace comes, then guess what? We'll never listen to one another. We can just tribalize ourselves, run into our little corners and go, hey, everybody that's pro-mask, let's sit over on this side of the church. And everyone who's anti-mask, let's sit over here on this side of the church. And then we can hate the other side and think they're the problem. And then they can think that about us. And we'll just sit here and we'll all be at peace with ourselves because everyone thinks the same as we do. That's not where peace comes. And if that's where we think peace comes, then we are definitely gonna get into these arenas of conflict because what do we have to do? We have to convince people to get on our side. We have to prove the other side wrong and then we have to recruit people to believe like we do. And when we tribalize ourselves, like come over here, join the non-mask side or come over here and put on your mask. It's never gonna happen. How is peace gonna come to the kingdom of God. It's when we choose to make peace, even though we, we see things differently, even though we have different perspectives on this. And if we are genuinely, truly loving one another, guess what? It's not about me being right. Because why? Because love is not self-seeking. It's not about me. So guess what? If I want to have unity in the body of Christ and I love and appreciate and value that unity, then I'll sacrifice for it. Listen to what Jesus prays in John 17. In John 17, it's kind of known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. It's kind of right before his death. He goes into the garden. He's praying these things to God. And three different times in that prayer, Jesus prays that his disciples would be one. They would be unified. In verse 20 and 21, he says this. He says, if you can put that up there, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. So he's not only praying for his disciples, but he's praying for us too. He's like, I'm praying for them that all of them may be one unified, together, a family, a community, a kingdom. We've got to fight for that. We've got to work for that. We have to be people who make peace in the body of Christ happen. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 7. He hears that there is some division inside of the church. And he writes to them and says, look, Unity in the, and this is Corey's summing up of what Paul is saying here. He says, unity is more important than even your personal possessions and your personal rights. Listen to what he says. He says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you've already lost. You've already lost. And then he says this, why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? What would be better? Unity in the family of God and you lose some personal possessions. What would be better? 
to have a sense of oneness and unity in Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God, or you have all of your rights. Which one displays that selfless, loving commitment to unity more than that? Why not, be, why not rather be wrong? There are some of us, this issue of masks, I, I, I've talked with lots of people. You know, I'm not going to come back to church because of the mask thing. And, and it's on both sides. Right? Not coming back to church because not everyone's wearing masks. Or I'm not coming back to church because they're asking people to wear masks. And, you know, this, this, this tension then that exists. Here's what I would suggest. Don't let it be something that defrauds or robs our unity. It has to be something that we're, I mean, we're willing to even be wronged by. Right? I may not believe that masks are valuable and important and I might believe that they're useless, but I might know that there are some people in our church that are very concerned about, you know, masks and, and, and the spread and all that kind of stuff. And so guess what? You know, I'll just put on a mask because I, 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 this is not something to fight over. I'll, I'll just be, it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to get everybody to believe what I am in, but I just, I value unity more than this the inconvenience of having this thing on my face. Or maybe you're, you're in that place, like, I can't believe no, they're not wearing masks. Well, maybe, you know what? Wear your mask, but just understand that people have a different perspective and it's okay if they're there. And so, you know, hey, just put your mask on, do your thing, live in unity, harmony with one another. We have to learn how to, recognize that people have different perspectives on things, but what's the most important thing? I'll give up my rights for unity in the church. I'll be cheated if it means unity in the church. The second place that God calls us to be at peace and to make peace in is between people. Between people. We know conflict exists everywhere. We're all... Sinful, fallen people, and conflict exists everywhere. God calls his followers not just to maintain unity and peace inside of the kingdom, but even outside of the kingdom. In your workplace, you've got people that are at, at fight, at fight and war with one another. Jump in there. Be a peacemaker. Find a way to get both sides to, to talk. One of the, the frameworks inside of that word peacemaker in the Greek is actually to be a reconciler, one who helps bring two parties together. This is exactly what Jesus does. He's a reconciler. He's one who's bringing peace. Notice what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. He says, as long as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Notice this isn't something for everyone else to do. It's never, I hope that person comes and makes peace with me, or I hope those people figure out their problem or their conflict. But rather, if it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, 
This is a responsibility that God places on you. It's not for you to wait for someone else to do. This is your responsibility. Go make peace, right? Go be a peacemaker. It's a commission. It's on you to make peace with other people. If you know that someone is in conflict with you, if you know you have something against someone, go make peace. As long, as far, as as if possible, go do what it takes to be at peace. That's what Paul says. It's on you. Go make it happen. Live with peace with everyone. With everyone. Not just people that believe like you. Not just people who are in your family. With every person. The third arena that God calls his followers to make peace in is the arena between God and people. The reality is, the Bible is very clear that man and God are not at peace with one another. Man and God are not at peace. Man has rebelled, has turned his back on God. We've all we've gone our own way, right? The we've we've told God we're not interested in his leadership. There is a tension and a conflict that exists between man and God. It's the very reason why Jesus came, is so that we could be brought back into a relationship with God. We could be at peace with him once again. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. Right? It's through Jesus Christ that we find reconciliation with God, where peace with God can be something we actually experience. We are to be representatives of that work in our world. Listen to what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. The, the word here, ambassador, is awesome. I, I love the idea of, you know, Paul saying, I'm an ambassador for Christ. We totally get this. We know we have, we have ambassador to China. We have an ambassador to Germany. We have an ambassador, you know, all these countries. Those people, when they step into that role of ambassador, they are representing the United States. They communicate messages on behalf of the United States. They stand as a representative of our country in foreign lands. Well, guess what? We talked about this when, you know, several weeks ago, like this world is not our home. Right? We're of another kingdom. But God, wherever he sent us, he sent us to live, to be his ambassadors, his representatives. And while we are here, no matter where we are, we are to represent God as though God were making his appeal through us. And that's the exact words that Paul just said to the Corinthians. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Then he says this, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Make peace with God. Join his family. Surrender to his authority. Be at peace with him. Be reconciled with him. Now, I love the way Paul writes this. We implore you. When was the last time you implored anyone? That's like a pretty intense word. It's, it's not just like, a, you know, hey, you know, I don't know if you'd be interested at all being at peace with God, but, you know, it might be. This is like, I'm begging you. 
You need this. And I, man, I can't stress this enough how important this is. You've got to do this. Please, please, right? This is, I'm imploring you. There's an intensity around this. Be at peace with God. Paul understood that as a follower of Jesus, there was a part of peacemaking that was placed on his shoulders as a responsibility of helping people find peace with God. And this wasn't just something that they stood back, and I hope this happens. This was something that Paul was actively engaged in, right? Paul was praying for people's coming to peace with God. He was praying for it. Not only that, he was building relationships. He was going intentionally to places to tell people about the possibility of becoming uh, uh, friends with God rather than enemies. Not only was he intentional about building those relationships, but he was proclaiming boldly every opportunity he could. In fact, he asked constantly, pray for me that I might communicate with boldness the message of the gospel, that you can be at peace with God. Paul was a peacemaker because he was carrying that invitation of peace with him, inviting people and imploring people to be at peace with God. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have to have that same kind of intensity. It's not just about no conflict. It's about I need to preach preach the gospel. I need to help people understand the significance and the importance of being at peace with God. And the last thing that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to close, is that Jesus calls his disciples to be peacemakers within ourselves. Within ourselves. I'm going to have the band come out, and we're going to, we're going to do this final song, but I want you to recognize this fact. You will never be able to be a peacemaker if you don't first have peace in yourself. You can't give what you don't have. Jesus can give peace because he is peace. He has peace. In fact, in John 14, 27, he says this, peace I leave with you. My peace, I give you. Jesus came to give his disciples peace. Why? Because they needed it. And that without his peace, they couldn't be peacemakers. Without the peace of God in your life, guess what you're going to become? You're going to be a conflict creator. That selfishness is just going to drive one tense conversation after another. It's just going to be one fight, one battle, one selfish manifestation after another. It's not until you come to a place of surrender and peace with God that you can become a peacemaker that begins to shape your heart and your life and change you from the inside out. Jesus has called us to be peacemakers. And that first starts by being someone who has peace on the inside. So what I'd like us to do as we close today is to stop for a moment and ask the question, do I have peace 
First, do I have peace within? Am I at peace with God? Have I received his peace? He's offering it. He's giving it. Do I have the peace of God in my heart and in my life? Does it reflect in me? The second thing is, is there conflict that I need to get right, that I need to go be a peacemaker in? Are there places in my life where I sense tension with maybe it's a spouse or maybe it's with a child or maybe it's with a friend or maybe it's with someone in the church or maybe it's someone at the office? Are there places in your life where there's tension? Because in those places of tension, God is asking you as a follower of Christ to go step into that tension and to be a peacemaker. One who makes peace. It's not about trying to convince the other person to think like you. It's about stepping into that realm saying, I don't want to fight. I don't want to war. I don't want to think negatively. So maybe, maybe God's inviting you, number one, just to find peace with him, but maybe he's inviting you to go have a conversation. Again, not to prove him wrong, not to get them to think like you, but to find peace and harmony in your relationship with one another. To be at peace. Maybe God's inviting you just to let it go just to walk away. Maybe God's asking you just to let the pillowcase be on the floor. Be wrong. It's just fine. Don't fight over it. It's not that important. It's not that valuable. Just let it go. I don't know what God is asking you to do. I do know he's asking you to be a peacemaker. And so let's just take a moment. Be still. Let's ask God what that means and what steps I need to take to live out that value. So God, we ask that you would help us to be peacemakers in our world. First, we pray that your peace would fill our hearts and our lives, that it would overflow in us and to those around us, that we would be people of peace. But then, God, would you also help us to press into those places of tension, struggle, conflict, whether it be in our homes, whether it be in our families, whether it be in our, in our world, God, would you help us to press in and do whatever it takes to see peace become a reality? God, help us to to love others the way you love us. Help us to love each other. Help us to value unity and peace in our church and in the kingdom of God. And may we choose to really, truly fight for the things that are the most important things. But God, would you give us the discernment and the wisdom to know what those things are? And God, may we not 
divide ourselves, think negatively about others, guard our lips from criticism and gossip and slander, but rather help us to value and seek peace in your body and in your kingdom. Whatever you're asking us to do in this moment, I pray you give us the strength to go and make it happen. And that out of this service and out of this place would go forth a whole group of peacemakers into our world. And may it make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to the Harvest Springs podcast. Our hope is that you hear the truth of God's word and that you are encouraged and challenged by it. If you would like to take your faith journey to the next level, check out the Getting Started plan on our mobile app or our website, harvestsprings.com. The Getting Started plan is a seven-day video-based teaching that will help you start your relationship with Jesus off in the right direction. And if there's anything that we can do to help, just fill out a connection card on our website or on the mobile app.